Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 73 of the Everything Medicare podcast. I'm your host, Christian Brindle. And um, I can't believe that we're at episode 73. That's just mind-boggling to me. And I appreciate every single person that listens to us every single week, everybody that's been listening since we started doing this. And today I have a very, very um, special episode for you. I have a very special guest, um, somebody that I've learned from from afar, and someone that's just a very, very um, influential and... um, intelligent person in the in the in the insurance industry as a whole um i have my guest today cody askins i'm gonna give you guys a little bit of an intro on who cody is and then i'm gonna bring him on and we're gonna we're gonna talk to him about some really interesting topics about medicare how you can make the best out of your medicare um cody started in the industry very young about the same age as i did and um cody has four insurance-based companies, um, grossing over five million in sales a year, and so and Cody has done all kinds of um, training and educational videos on the internet that have just blown up, and he's just done a great job um, helping agents everywhere as as well as people um, that are policyholders. And so, um, Cody, thank you so much for doing this, man. Dude, thank you so much for having me, man. What a great podcast you have, and, and I'm honored to be on. Thank you, thank you, and um, happy belated birthday. Um, Cody had a birthday yesterday, turned 29, and um, I mean... No. <laughs> it's insane. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing to me everything that you've been able to accomplish and all the people you've been able to help, agents and beneficiaries alike, and not even at the age of 30, so just mad props to you for that. I just respect everything that you do so much, and um, it's an honor to have you on the podcast first and foremost. So again, thank you for your time. I know you're a busy person. Well, thank you so much for having me, buddy, and thank you for the uh, birthday wishes. I really appreciate it. Hey, absolutely. So let's jump right into this with a little bit about your story. Um, and your story fascinates me. I didn't want to talk too much about it because I wanted everybody listening to be able to hear it from you. Um, how did you get into the insurance industry? Let's start there. Yeah, so, so my dad has been in the industry uh, 29 years and about... 70 days. Wow. So it's, uh, it, it, it's, yeah, he started, uh, he started April 1st of 1990. Uh, I was born July 9th of 1990. He started three months before I was born. Wow. And so I, I, I grew up around the business. Uh, I never knew that I was actually going to join the insurance industry, though, because even as a kid, it looks cool, you know, your, your dad's doing well, he's in the insurance business, but as a kid, you never go to career day saying, hey, I want to be an insurance agent, right? That's so true. Yeah. So, so, but growing up, you know, you know what? I, I'll probably, you know, give it a look or two. Uh, I started out as an intern. I was 18. I was dialing out of a phone book, cold calling for veteran agents uh, about Medicare, actually. And 
really, really got my start there. Uh, I became a full a, a part time agent. I was in college, uh, 19 years old, playing basketball, going to school full time, taking 21 credit hours a semester, having games on evenings uh, and, and weekends and tournaments. And I really decided to go full time. And so I went full time. Uh, I said, you know what? I, I'm a goal guy. I'm a competitive guy. I said, I want to earn $100,000 my first full year in the, in the insurance business. And so I, uh, I said that that was a goal. I, I wrote it down. And I also want to do, uh, earn a top company incentive travel trip. So I wrote it down. I signed it. My dad signed it. I dated it. I put it, put it up in my cubicle. And every day I went about, you know, making that a reality. So a lot of the, a lot of the reasons agents fail, I learned pretty quick that I got to get in front of people. So my goal was to sit down with 10 people every single week. And about eight months later, I had earned $117,361.13 in my first eight months and wow. just, just fell in love from there. Wow, that, that that's amazing. That that's I mean, congratulations on that. I mean, because that's such an accomplishment that so many people don't ever get there to that to that mark. And you did it in your first year, and I don't know too many people that can say that. Thank you so much, buddy. So so I was so I was I really appreciate. It. So I was an agent. Um, I stayed as an, I stayed as an agent. Uh, we ended up opening a. Uh, I ended up going out and being independent, starting a Medicare call center randomly without knowing anything about telesales or call centers. Uh, you know, we we grew that. Uh, Helping 60, 70 uh, policyholders a month, you know, within within 90 to 120 days, we started to figure that out all from cold calling. But I always had a passion for helping other insurance agents. That's my real passion: training, content, coaching, speaking, all those things. That's just what I love to do. So I started, I started a YouTube channel, our Cody Askins YouTube channel, December 28th of 2015, about three and a half years ago now, and. Fortunately, uh, agents resonated. You know, it took a little while for our content to get out there, but about six to 12 months later, agents started reaching out saying, hey, you know, you've helped me. I like your stuff. You know, can, can, can I come to Springfield and ride along with you? You know, stuff like that. And uh, now, three and a half years later, we've been lucky to have, uh, we believe, the largest YouTube channel for training insurance agents. Uh, we're sitting at close to 8,500 subscribers now, and it just continues to grow every day. Wow. Wow. Well, that that's 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 phenomenal, and that's so that's so fantastic. And I mean, the work that you guys are doing is so great, you know, because you're helping people in an industry where there's not a lot of help for a lot of insurance agents. Um, I, I I find I and and one thing that really resonates with me what you're saying too is, um, you know, people don't look at insurance agents as necessarily a glamorous career. I remember when I was in um, I was a freshman in high school. I was in a, a high school class. And um, we, the whole point of this exercise we were doing was we were supposed to project our career. And I, I, I wasn't a great student or anything, and I didn't know what I wanted to do at that point in my life. And so I went home, and I said, I'll just say I'm going to be an insurance agent because that's what my dad does. So I went home, and I was supposed to put a projected income. And my dad said, well, it depends on how good of an agent you are. And I, could, I didn't understand that at that point. And, I, and he said, I'm like, well, what should I put down? He said, put down anywhere between 25000 and 500000 because it depends. And... Um, so I put down that, and my teacher um, put it down as twenty five thousand, and I was in, the, and and I was automatically in the bottom sphere of um, how successful we were doing in our fake careers in this class. And I just rem- and that and that that really resonated with me. But people have no idea how well you can do as an insurance agent, and I just think it's for some reason it's looked at as like kind of a boring career. Yeah, it really is. It it, it 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 ain't sexy, but it's sure rewarding. That's for sure. 
Definitely, definitely. Um, l- let me shift gears to this about you know helping agents in the insurance industry. And I don't think I could talk to a better person about this. I think I was fascinated by this question. You're someone that's really put a lot of focus on um, how so few insurance brokers last in the insurance industry today. Mm. Um, you host the 8% conference, which I'm going to be getting to one of these days, probably sooner rather than later. Um, but for eight per- the 8% of insurance brokers that last in the industry, I'm always saying that it's gravely important for someone on Medicare to make sure you're working with someone who's going to stick around. Why do so few agents last in this business? What, what's your observations of that? Yeah, about 92% of interest agents fell in the first three years. You know, hence that's why we got 8% nation. Agents really struggle with prospecting and getting in front of people. Uh, it's not, you know, Medicare sometimes is a little easier, but there's, in, in general, prospects don't want to talk to the insurance guy naturally. Uh, they don't just open up or say, wake up and say, I want to, you know, I want to get sold insurance today, you know? So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's not necessarily easy. Agents that succeed, they find a consistent system that allows them to get in front of so many people each and every week, whether it be in person or face-to-face or, or telephonically, virtually. And so that's that's one of the biggest things we preach is you need a system. You need to, you need to be sitting down with 10 people every week. You need to be talking to, you know, if you're helping prospects over the phone, you need to be talking to, you know, at least 20 prospects a week over the phone, you know. So that's that's one thing we've noticed. And, it all, and you mentioned a good point. It's super important that a beneficiary work with an agent that not only has some experience, knows what they're doing, and, and but but is successful and plans to be around a long time. Like if someone's brand new to the business, it doesn't mean that policyholder or beneficiary shouldn't work with them, but it means that you know what, ninety-two percent of us fail. If they don't make it, guess what? You've got to find a new agent. When your rate increase goes up on your Medicare, you're not going to know what to do. So it, it's it's super valuable. Uh, yeah, to make sure that you're, especially with Medicare, there's so many moving parts, so many changes every single year that you got to work with someone that knows what the heck they're doing. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. And it's something that I've, I've kind of, you know, beat a dead horse on, on this own on this podcast with how much I've talked about it. You know, I tell people that, you know, just because an agent's new doesn't necessarily mean they're not good to work with. And who knows, they might stick around. But like you said, there's a 92% chance they won't. And you have to be careful with that stuff. And, um, let, let me let me shift gears into this, and this kind of piggybacks on the last question a little bit. Um, you being someone that's worked with as many agents as you have, I'm sure you've seen a lot of their different behaviors. I know you mentioned um, in the last question that it's it's so important for an agent to be able to get in front of enough people to be able to 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 be successful. Is there something that agents in general, though, can do better when it comes to working with people? Is there something they do in interacting with their own clients that kind of keeps them from being successful and kind of keeps them from having their clients stick with them? Yeah, you bring up a good point, especially with Medicare, because I believe Medicare is more about the relationship than maybe most products that we sell, right? So with Medicare, there's changes. There's rate increases, you know, some carriers will change states or get out of the market or, you know, you just need someone that's there. And so if a Medicare beneficiary trusts you, they have a good relationship. Like I still have some that reach out to me from, you know, nine years ago because they trust me. I have a good relationship with them. They can tell I'm an honest, ethical guy that has high integrity. And so I feel like if you're able, especially because I used to mail a physical paper newsletter 
to all of my clients every single month. Now, when I got 500 clients, it became a little more expensive and difficult and time-consuming to mail them all out a newsletter every single month. Right. But it was unique. I still get pro- prospects today to say, hey, Cody, dude, dude, I missed that newsletter that you sent out, you know, years ago. That was so cool with, with all the recipes and stuff, you know. So it's just those it's, – it's all about – I believe it's all about standing outside of the – Standing out in a super crowded world nowadays, and if you can do something creative that boosts the relationship, helps you stay top of mind, and helps the prospect think about you moving forward and, 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 and provides more trust in you, the agents that go above and beyond and really try and do the Christmas cards, the birthday cards, um, maybe even throw a dollar in a birthday card and say, hey, you know, you were born in 1944, 1944, you know, a, a Coke was five cents, you know, it, it's or you know, or, or or gas was eighteen cents. You know, well, a dollar won't get you much gas today, but hey, have a coke on me. You know, just something right. creative and unique. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think I think for Medicare beneficiaries particularly, I think you hit it right on the head. Is is it's such a relationship industry, probably more than any other type of insurance, and and you know, it's. I, I've, I've always just seen, you know, the, a lot of agents that I've seen, I've, I've had a lot of agents I've seen that were around in the business when I even started that aren't around anymore. And um, I, I, I think that's, I think you hit it right on the head. It's just, you know, they don't, they don't look at it like a relationship business and they look at it like a one-time transaction and not a relationship. And um, I think, I think that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. The, the agents that make it last, especially in the Medicare industry, they focus on, doing what's best for the client, building a relationship, doing everything they can to service that client properly to keep them forever. Because that's that's where the, you know, that's where you, that's where the most rewarding part of it comes in, whether it be on the helping people side or the making money side. When you are building a a, a client for life, you're you're helping everybody involved. Couldn't agree more with you. I think that's 100% accurate, you know. Um, let, let Let me shift gears to this, Cody. This is this now. This next question I'm going to ask you is kind of a polarizing one, and and I know we got to tread a little lightly on it, so I'm going to try to ask it in the right way. Um, I've asked this question to every single person I've interviewed on the podcast, and and I'm I'm always interested to hear different people's perspectives on this. Obviously, there's there's it. it the question I'm about to ask it depends on the person's situation, et cetera, et cetera. But where do you fall on the Medicare Advantage versus the Medigap debate as a whole? If you had to pick one side of the coin in general, where would you go and why? I like that you brought up the, uh, you know, if you had to choose. That's, that's something we train on. That's using a hypothetical yeah. uh, scenario, <laughs> and most people, are, they respond better when you use that. That's good. Uh, if I had to choose a side, I've always been on the, the Medigap side. Now, I don't, I don't believe that a, you know, it's, it's a one-size-fits-all. I believe that every situation is different. Even location, you know, here in Springfield, Missouri, there's there's more Medicare Advantage beneficiaries than med, med, a Medicare supplement, you know. But you interviewed Justin uh, in Tupelo, Northeast Mississippi. Mm-hmm. It's it's the opposite there, you know. So I feel like um, I feel like the, I feel like the network is a big part. I feel like the part of the country, the location. Uh, I feel like you know the person's situation, maybe their health, maybe their budget, uh, etc. All plays a role. However, I've always been more pro Medigap than anything else. Right, right. I mean, it makes sense to me. I think that the simplicity of it and everything and but 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 at the same time, it depends on a lot of the market. Like I, I lived in Florida for a year in Tampa Bay in 2017, me and my wife and um, there in, in the market I'm from in Utah, it's probably 
60 to 70 percent Medicare Advantage and 30 to 40 percent MedSup. But when I, what, one thing that really blew me away is it's probably 95 percent Medicare Advantage in, in that market in Florida um, because the benefits are so rich and the Medigap premiums are typically so um, high compared to some other areas. And so I think I think that's a great answer because it's hard to say to, without knowing where somebody is, you know. Yep. Hundred percent. It's 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 such a big uh, such a big varying factor and difference. You know, to, to to kind of say one size fits all. Here's a specific answer, but there's my uh, there's my politically correct answer. Uh, <laughs> you know, with, with the pol- polarizing question, but it's true. I mean, you, you bring up a good point too. With uh, you know, with, with Medigap, it's it's simple. It's it's easier to sell. It's easier for someone to be educated and informed. Mm-hmm. It's it makes sense. You know. It picks up the other twenty percent. It supplements your Medicare. You know, if you have the right plan, it takes care of everything. It's just, it's just an easier pitch, I believe. Yeah, I, I agree, and then not, and and definitely, you don't have to deal with the changes, and there's just so much going on there. Um, let's okay. Let's talk about insurance companies for a minute. Um, when what do you think someone on Medicare should look for when they're picking a particular insurance company? Is it just on paper benefits, or do you think reputation has a big part to do with it? Let's say you're working with a plan, you're going, you're looking at two different plans. Let's say, um, and w- one plan has better paper benefits than a, than than another insurance company. Let's say, but they don't have maybe the reputation as the other company. Where where, where do you fall on that? Um, yeah, I'm I'm now now prospects are. Prospects tend to think like that more than the agent, yeah. Simply because, with a Medicare supplement, right? It's I mean they're mandated by Medicare. If Medicare pays, they have to pick up whatever the portion is that the Medicare says they have to you know pick up, and then their policy says they're going to pick up. Right. So I really believe on the Medicare supplement side, um, I believe it's less important now. If if you're within a you know if you're within a few bucks and and, and you're more comfortable selling a you know, major carrier, big brand name where the customer's more comfortable, you know, or you feel like maybe they've had less rate increases or less volatility over the years, you know, then sure. Uh, so there's, there's kind of my answer on that. I'm, I love it. I love it. I, I mean, I, I get people asking me all the time, you know, I want to work with a carrier that's a big carrier, but, but, but on the Medicare supplement side of things, it's really not that big of an issue. I mean, the only issue I could probably see is possibly, you know, maybe rate increases being, not what you'd want them to be, but as far as them paying claims, I mean that. I think I agree with you completely. Um, okay, this is a, this is a fun question, and I, I'm I'm interested to hear your answer on this. What, you so you've you've been in this industry a while, you and you've grown up around this industry. You've worked with a ton of different agents, and also a lot of different beneficiaries. What is the biggest mistake you think people make when they're picking out a plan when they first turn sixty five? Ooh, that's a tough question. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, when they're when they're making a decision when they're sixty five, I, I think most people think really heavily in the moment, and I really feel like you need to think more long term, which is also why you know I, I can appreciate Medicare supplements. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just because. If you can't, you know, if you uh, if you ever go to Advantage and you know you've been in it for a few years and you can't help qualify, then you may not really go back. You know what I mean to the supplement. So, 
I think it's. Uh, I think it needs to be a long-term decision. I think you need to think it out. I think you need to be, you know, extremely informed on on, on all of your options. Uh, I think most people, it's easy to think really short-term and say, okay, you know what, that one has a zero-dollar premium, so I'll just take it. Well, mm-hmm. you know, six grand later, we, we may regret that. You know, or or or, right. or our health, you know, goes sideways long-term. We may wish we had a supplement where we, you know, the cost was fixed. So, uh, I really think the big thing is it's really easy to get. Um, caught up in the in the in, in small numbers and, and 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 flashy flashy options or what the agent makes more money on or what the agent wants you to to own. Uh, I think you really got to think about it more. Of okay, I'm I'm 65. You know, the average female is going to live another 25 to 30 years. Um, you know, from that point, what's going to be best for the rest of my life? You know, this is this is a retirement um, you know situation and, and and decision and less about okay, just between the ages of 65 and 66. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that's a great approach too because I think so many people are looking at you know, what am I probably projected to pay next year, and they're not necessarily taking into consideration where they'll be in five years, ten years, and so on and so forth. And I, 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 I love it. I love it. I think it's a great way to look at things. Thank you, bud. So okay, so let me shift gears to this. Um, this was a question that I. I asked it in a different way when I talked to Justin, and I thought I thought he had a really insightful answer. And Justin, you know, as well as yourself, you know, both of you guys have really kind of pioneered Medicare um, information being on the internet, you know. And I've always thought that it probably five years ago, Medicare information on the internet was so obscure, you know, it was so hard to find. Nowadays. There's places all over the place that you can get Medicare information more than it ever has been. We live in a di- in the digital age nowadays, as a lot of people say. But there's also a stereotype I think that's floated around around people on Medicare that they can't consume information online. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I completely disagree. Nowadays, I mean, most um, there's a large majority of Medicare beneficiaries are on Facebook. Um, a large portion of Medicare beneficiaries um, are even listening to. There's some that even listen to podcasts, right? There's, yeah. there's a lot that I like, like especially yours. You know, there's there's a lot that even watch YouTube videos. I think that's an underserved market. I don't think there's enough. I don't think enough agents are helping beneficiaries through YouTube as a as a art of educating. Um, there's a good portion that actually text, or those that didn't you didn't want to text or thought it was silly five years ago have kind of. They weren't early adopters of it, maybe late adopters now, but they, they've adopted it, right? So mm-hmm. I, I truly believe that um, we are moving more and more that direction. It, it's Right now, it's the heaviest it's ever been in uh, consuming content online if you're 65, 69, 74 years old. Uh, I really believe that, you know, that's it's huge. It, 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 it's only getting better, and seniors are typically – already consuming it more more than we think i mean there's tons and tons on facebook alone uh in the u.s that are 65 and over yeah definitely i mean a lot more a lot more than there used to be definitely definitely i think i think too many people in the industry anyway they compare the baby boomer generation to the generation before it you know and um i mean i i mean my my I'll, i'll give you an example my my dad who you know, has been in this business a long time. 
he just turned 65 and he's as tech savvy. He's probably more tech savvy than I am in a lot of ways. You know, he's, he's on Facebook, he's on Instagram, he's on, um, he's on LinkedIn, he emails, he, um, I mean, he, I mean, he's, he's as tech savvy as they get for a baby boomer, but there's so many people just like him out there. And, and my mom, you know, my mom, my mom uses her iPad to do everything, you know, nowadays. And, um, of course being on Facebook. And I think, I think, I agree with you completely. I think it's I think it's a stereotype that you know, it'll either die or the people that carry the stereotype will probably suffer for it <laughs> with their business. Yeah, there then there's a there's a lot of agents that haven't adopted that yet, but if they don't, they will 100% be left behind. They just will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I agree completely. Um okay, so to piggyback off of that that internet question, with us being in the digital age, um, do you think there's still a place for 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 agents to use postcards, flyers, mailings, and those kind of things, or do you think that's completely being phased out? It's slowly being phased out. It's not immediately being phased out by any means. You know, I would say that there's still more direct mail being sent than anything else. Uh, but what's funny is someone turning 65 will get 150 pieces of mail, 500, you know, 300 pieces, maybe even 600 pieces of mail. Uh, I don't know the stats, but I guess I can't, I guarantee it's a lot like every month, you know, when they're turning yeah. 65, it's, I mean, even in our office, um, when we used to do a lot of T65 mailings back in the day, we would, we would send, there was, there was three, four, five guys just in our own office doing it. You know, can you imagine the rest of the local market plus the rest of the national market. Yeah, <laughs> but I think it, I think it, I think it is. I think it is shifting, but but I do believe that uh, you know, for instance, I, I used to mail out a big yellow envelope with Smarties candy inside, and you know, say, hey, be a Smartie, join the party, and tried to have this kind of fun thing <laughs> on direct mail, and, and, and it worked. It was unique. Yeah, um, it got attention. You know, but it's not the same way we're marketing nowadays. And that, you know, that was that was six seven years ago where. Uh, it's not. It, 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 I do believe it is slowly phasing out, though. I really, really do. A lot of these big Medicare carriers, even that are sending all this direct mail, I believe that will continue to a certain extent. But I think they'll start to shift some of their budget to, and they already have, to digital marketing, online, Google, YouTube ads, you know, Facebook ads, etc., to really start to get the attention of that audience for maybe less than what they're spending with direct mail. So but we're already seeing them shift parts of budgets. I mean. We've got call centers working with us on the marketing side that are, you know, shifting forty thousand of their budget or, or one hundred fifty thousand of their budget to digital marketing that we manage, uh, just because they're they're seeing you know the trend, the shift. Right, right, and um, I I think I think it's coming really fast too, you know, and um, but yeah, I mean, I I see it more and more, especially with the bigger carriers. You know, you don't see, you still see the mailings, but you're starting to see it other places too, like on the internet. Um, so, so Cody, I wanted you to take a minute and talk about your different companies. Um, if anyone's listening to this interview or anyone listens to this interview and they just really resound with, with, with you and what you're saying and and maybe what you can do to help them, um, Medicare beneficiaries or even Medicare agents that might listen, because I know there's several that listen to our podcast on here. How can your companies help them and how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, thank you so much, buddy. I think the easiest way to get in touch with me is, you know, feel free to add me on Facebook, Cody Askins. We have a Facebook business page, Cody Askins, as well. 
Um, the best way to consume some content would be our, our Cody Askins YouTube channel. Uh, we just got featured in a, uh, we were fortunate enough to get featured in a, a uh, uh, article publication today. Uh, it's growing. We put out about 14 to 15 videos per week lately on helping insurance agents. And, and so that, that would be the best way. I mean, the four different, the four different companies would be, uh, secure agent leads focused on, we're, we're a lead vendor, you know, doing, doing, uh, life and Medicare type leads. We, we produce about 50,000 leads a month to help insurance agents. Uh, we took that company from, from zero to, uh, you know, almost four million bucks last year in about two full year, in our second full year. Um, then there's the, uh, 8% Nation Conference you mentioned. It's something we started last year. Uh, it's 8% Nation Insurance Wealth Conference. It was at Nissan Stadium. We had some big speakers, Grant Cardell and Ray Lewis. We're having it again for the second time. Uh, it's every single year. It's in Dallas at the Statler here in a couple weeks. And uh, we've got Michael Irvin and some big industry guys, Justin speaking. It's just a fun it's, – it's a way for me to give back to the industry and bring everybody together to have a fun, modern spin on, on conferences. I, I truly believe that conferences make me think bigger and I learn more from attending them than anything else, especially events. I'm sold on events and, and, and how it can help people grow and be more successful. Uh, then we've got our Cody Askins brand, which is uh, obviously my name focused on uh, retreats and insurance wealth university, you know, webinars, content, courses, um, as well as our coaching program, Success Society. That's where uh, we get together every week on an accountability call. I do monthly coaching with a co-host. You know, we do quarterly marketing sessions. The Success Society members, you're going to get to meet Michael Irvin. They're going to have a special suite. They're going to get to come backstage. They're going to get to come up my hotel suite during the conference. Just fun. It's a fun coaching program uh, that, that, that's focused on helping agents. Right now, it's only $199 a month, but it's a great way to coach and help agents succeed and really sprint to success together. And then the fourth one, and I apologize for being long-winded, the fourth one is uh, Secure Agent Marketing, which is uh, the newest one which is focused on being a digital marketing agency. I, I partnered with a guy, Landon McCarter, that does, he, he was doing about $4 million a year in the digital marketing and advertising space. He sold part of his company to join us as my VP of marketing, and we're handling big Facebook ad budgets, YouTube ads, websites, Google AdWords, um, blogging, SEO, et cetera, for insurance companies, agents, FMOs, IMOs, and, uh, and call centers. So there, there's the four. Well, that that's great. That's great. And, um, you know, I, I encourage anybody that's listening to this, if you're not following Cody on really any social media he's on, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you have to, whether you're a beneficiary, whether you're an agent, because there's no one that puts out better insurance related content, especially on the agent side in the industry, I, th- I feel. Um, so, I mean, I, I encourage you to do wow. it. I follow him everywhere he can be followed. Um, and I've just been able to to learn so much from you, and so it's just such been such an honor to have you on, and I, I can't thank you enough for your time because I know how busy you are. Thank you so much, man. Enjoy the podcast. Love it. I'm honored to be on, and, and I'm going to definitely continue to listen to every episode you put out. So thanks again for having me. Hey, well, you're the man, Cody. Thank you so much. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Um, as always, you know, if you're listening to us on a podcast on a, on a platform, excuse me, that that allows you to leave us a review, please feel free to do so. It helps us reach more people and help more people just like you. And in a world where this information isn't as easy as it should be, we're trying to change that. And um, please leave us a review. We bring you episodes every Monday and Saturday. So thank you so much for listening. I'll be back with you on our next episode. Thank you so much.